this past summer, my roommates and I had the uh, opportunity to take a trip over to Europe, and we went uh, for two weeks. And as I was preparing to go to the trip, I had felt the nudge of God saying that he was going to do something on that trip and that he had something for me. And as I sat on the plane ride, I said, oh, dear God, please do not call me to missions. I said, that's not it, Lord. I think, I think you, you've, you're wrong. It's someone else. And I believe in missions, Roger. I'm not saying that. Just for me, I was just saying, God, please don't, don't call me to missions. That's not it. And needless to say, I was not. So God was hearing my plea at that point. But I couldn't shake the feeling that God had something for me, whether it be big or, or small. I, I felt something in my spirit that God was wanting to, to tell me something or show me something. And the way I travel, I like to take a, a little cultural you know, tidbit or a historical fact from each place, and it just makes it relatable to me. And we went to, uh, we traveled all around. We went to London and uh, Barcelona, Rome, Florence, and Vienna. And it was in the city of Barcelona where that moment happened. We were on a, a tour, and we were just touring the city, learning about the, the cultural, um, just cultural facts and historical facts, and just all about the city. It was a, from a native um, from Barcelona, and it was just so interesting, the, the context that she placed it in all the historical facts that Barcelona had gone through. And it was on that city tour where we came across a plaza that was, in Spanish, it was Plaza del Trippi, which translates to the Trippi Plaza. And here we have two videos where you can see this plaza. And on this next picture, you can see just a bit of graffiti of where they talked about the Trippy Plaza. You see, less than 20 years ago, that now peaceful and, and very good-looking plaza was the Trippy Plaza. People would go there to buy drugs. Corpses would lay on the ground. Murders would happen there. It wasn't a place where you'd want to be. But now... I'd venture to say that every one of you, if you could, you'd like to have lunch in that little, in that area or, or go on a walk. You see, there was kids in the park in that area. There was palm trees in that area. Nothing looked like it used to be. It looks like now it's a great area to be in. And it was at that moment when they were talking about how wonderful this area was and then what it used to be. And the tour guide who walks through that area every day giving tours, she said, my mother and grandmother wouldn't dare step foot in this area. It doesn't matter what there was, all the stores, all the shops that were in there that most of the people go and shop at now, the mother and grandmother wouldn't dare venture there because of what it used to be. And it was that at that moment God spoke to me and said, Logan, how many of my people will not come see me 
will not come and be with the one true king because of what used to be. Whether it be past pain and hurt and bitterness. And they won't come see me because of what once was. And yet, if they could just understand that if they'd come to God, there's restoration, there's healing. It's only if they come to Him. All those people will not be delivered or restored or healed because of what once was. And so today I'm speaking to you on this topic. Release your chains. See, the Lord has sent me today to prepare you for what is to come. Today is the last Sunday, not only of 2019, but of the decade. And it's really kind of weird to think about what's all happened in the past decade. Good and bad. And But what the Lord has come to tell me is that it's time to release what is binding you. It's time to release what is holding you back. It's time to let go of bitterness. It's time to be restored from the one true king. And he said that it wasn't that he hasn't done the work. But it's that we're holding on to what once was. And those chains that once bound us, now they're no longer binding us, but we have a hold of them. And we won't let them go. And I understand there are things that have, have happened in your past, and I'm not saying that You've had a walk in the park life. But what I have come to tell you is your answer to all of that. And that answer is your worship. If you would, please turn with me to Mark chapter 5. Then they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of Gardenus. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs and no one could bind him, not even the chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains and the chains had been pulled apart by him and the shackles broken in pieces. Neither could anyone tame him and always, day and night, he was in the mountains and tombs crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, son of the most high God? Now keep in mind right here, the demon-possessed man just called Jesus the son of the most high God. So this is a man who is full of demons. This is a man who's not in his right mind, yet the demon still answers to the most high God. Aren't you thankful today that you serve the God who even the demons understand that he's most high? That he is still the ruler even when the demons are supposed to serve the enemy. They still understand that God is the most high God. And he said, I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said, come out of the man, unclean spirit. Then he asked him, said, what is your name? And he said, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding them near the mount, feeding there near the mountains. So all the demons begged him, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. There were about 2,000. And the herd ran violently down into the steep place 
into the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. And so that those who fed the, fed the swine, they told the city and in the country, and they went out to see what had happened. Then they came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting there clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid, and those that saw it, how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. They began to plead with him to depart for their region, and when he got into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, Go home and tell your friends, and tell them of the great things the Lord has done for you, and how he has had compassion for you. And he departed and began to proclaim what Jesus had done for him. For years the world tried solving this man's problems. They bound him with shackles and with chains and they understood that there was something not right with him and you can only imagine what all the doctors at the time tried to do you had to imagine they said day and night he spent cutting himself day and night he was he was tortured by this demon and and day and night it continued it persisted you have to imagine that they were always trying to help him out but there came to the point where they did not have any more options. And, and there's so many people that even within the church, they spend so much time wondering, why am I still dealing with this? Why am I still dealing with this fear and anxiety? Why am I dealing with this depression? Why can my financial needs not be met? And the world will tell you, hey, hey I got an idea. Just have a glass of wine at, at, at dinner. It'll calm your nerves. It's okay. It's just a glass of wine. Or I'll say, hey, go get that degree. You'll be happier if you get that degree. You don't need to go to church on Wednesday night. What you need to do is work overtime because you need more money. And when you have that money, you'll be happier. I'll meet all your needs. Or, hey, you meet that spouse and, and all of a sudden you're going to be in, happy and that'll solve the issues. But here we see it wasn't when the world brought in all the solutions. But as soon as the demon, the demon-possessed man or the man possessed by the demon went and worshipped, when he went and worshipped, the answer all of a sudden came. The world will spend hours and hours and days and years trying to give you answers, but in mere seconds upon worshipping, with just a little worship, God said, unclean spirits come out. And I'm not saying that any of you are possessed by a demon, but that should go and show that if Jesus in mere seconds can take a demon-possessed man for years, and in mere seconds when he worshipped, he completely restored him. He completely healed him. What do you think can happen to your problems? What do you think he can do with that financial need? What do you think he can do with that fear? What do you think he can do with that depression? All it takes is your worship. You see, we spend so much time begging God, saying, God, please do this and please do that. But here we can see that it was when he worshipped was when he received his answer. It was in his worship where his power came. Acts 16 and 16. Now it happened as he as he went to, as we went to prayer that a certain slave girl possessed with the spirit of divination met us who brought her master as much profit by fortune telling. This girl followed Paul and us and cried out saying these men are the servants of the most high God 
Again, even the one who doesn't serve the king knew that it was the most high God who proclaimed to us the way of salvation. And she did this for many days. But Paul, greatly anointed, turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus to come out of her. And he came out that very hour. But when her master saw that the prophet was gone, they seized her. Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace. And from there they went and, and they beat Paul and Silas and they, they put stripes on them and they beat them with rods and all for just living for Jesus. And verse 25 says, But at midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. And there was a great earthquake so that all the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's chains were loosed. At midnight, after being beaten and thrown in jail and shackled up, you can, I imagine that it was, it was pretty painful. And at that time, it was, a, it was a low point in their life. And I don't know about you, but I don't know if I'd really feel like worshiping at that point. I'd probably be begging for mercy and I'd be, be begging just God get me out of this situation. But here, the noun that says hymns. It shows that they were worshiping. They were singing to God in the lowest of lows after being beaten, after being in jail in the midnight hour. It was when they worshiped that the earthquake came. You see, when you bow down to Jesus, when you worship who He is for who He is and not what He can do for you, the chains that have been binding you all of a sudden have to fall. Because everything that's going on, they have to obey the one true king. You don't have to beg him. You don't have to, to plead. You just have to worship him. It is in your worship that you receive power and that you receive that deliverance. You know, I'm, I understand that I'm still... A, Still a young buck preacher. And, but what I do also, I also understand this, is I've been around long enough to see good worshipers and not so good worshipers. And one of those really good worshipers is my grandpa White. And he said something to me a couple months ago that I, it didn't really register with me at the time until I was preparing and, and praying for this message. And it was after the sermon, he said, well, we got the victory stirred up today. And, you know, sometimes... I just, yeah, Grandpa, we did. But it wasn't, it wasn't that I was putting it off. It was that I didn't understand what he was really saying because the message didn't have anything to do with victory. But we had this worship service that was just full of worship and powerful worship to the one true king. And it was then that it hit me. And what my grandpa was telling me then and what I'm telling you today is that it is in your worship where the victory lies. It is in your worship that stirs up the victory in your life. It is in your worship that releases those chains upon your life. You see how I'll watch people, people come in on a, on a Sunday morning, and I promise I'm not trying to offend anyone, but they, they'll sit there and... I don't know where my phone's at, but they'll... Okay. And they'll sit there and here's, here's the thing about it is what you put into worship is what you're going to get out of worship. 
See, just like when you go to your job, if you go to your job and you, sh- and you don't show up prepared to work and you sit there and you don't work hard and then all of a sudden the guy who gets there early, the guy who stays there late, and they get the promotion, you have no right to be mad. You can't be mad at someone who works hard and then gets that promotion, just like you can't be mad at someone who comes in and worships the one true king, and then they receive a blessing that you may have been praying for. But understand, it's in your worship where that blessing will come. It's it's that deposit in, say, hey God, I love you for who you are. I don't care if you meet this need, but what I know is that you're worthy. You see, so many people, they'll battle in with self-condemnation and and they'll begin to worship and I've seen it happen and I, I've been through it and it'll be like, Jason, stand up for me. Just go ahead and, and lift your hands. Just like you're crazy. And then all of a sudden, it's it's here and Jason's worshiping and all of a sudden the devil comes in and says, all of a sudden he says, hey, what about that? What about that person you mistreated? Hey, what about what who you used to be? What about the things that you've done? Because that's how the enemy likes to work. He likes to take all of that past, all of that that regret and all the things that you've done wrong and use them against you. But you see, my Bible says that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Those who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit, there is no condemnation. What that tells me is that all that past pain, all those mistakes, everything that you've been through does not matter to Jesus. He just wants your worship. He's redeemed you for it. He's taken it away. You need to let it go. That there, when you get involved with that self-condemnation, when you allow that in your life, when you decide, hey, hey, he's right. What about that video I watched? What about that person I mistreated? All of a sudden, you have a hold of the chains that once bound you, and you're not letting them go. Second Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Aren't you thankful that when you're in Christ, who you once were, is no longer who you are today. Aren't you thankful for a God who will completely clean the slate and make you a new creature? You see, we have to shift our thinking. We spend so much time begging God. We spend so much time asking of God. We spend so much time just wanting all of our needs to be met. But let me ask you, when's the last time that you came into church just to worship, just to worship him, not for what he can do, but just of who he is? And that goes that goes on to say, if you leave a worship service and if you leave a church service the same way that you came in, I promise you, it's not the service. It's something in your own life. That you have to get figured out. And what I can tell you is. The answer it is. The next time you feel like you're not getting anything out. I, I, I'll tell you what. Just try it one time. Just lift your hand and say. Lord I, I love you. 
You're worthy. Because at that moment, you have just opened your life up for a life of worship. You have just surrendered that issue, that pain, that hurt for Him to take care of. But you have to surrender it to Him. Don't you understand what happens when you praise? 2 Corinthians 3.17 says, Now the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. When you praise, when you usher in that spirit, all of a sudden you are ushering in liberty into your life. It is that liberty that you need. Well, I can tell you that it is in your worship. Romans 8, 14 and 15 says, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For, if you did not for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. You are not meant to fear everything that's going on in your life. God did not emplace that in your life. What He emplaced in your life is He said, Hey, I love you. All you have to do is worship Me. I know that your life may be crumbling around you, but understand I am taking care of you. That fear is not of Me. You just have to worship Me. Psalms 100 says, Make a joyful shout unto the Lord. All you lands serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing, knowing that the Lord, He is God. Aren't you thankful that He is God? It is He who has made us, not, not we ourselves. We are His people, the sheep of His pasture. Enter to, into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Be thankful to Him and bless His name, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endures all generations. Don't you understand here that no matter what's going on, right here it says that His truth endures all and that His mercies are everlasting. Can we just clap our hands and maybe lift your hands and just begin to worship Him because His mercies are everlasting and His, His Word is the truth and you do not have to fear. John 4.23 says, But the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. Don't you see this here? You're not waiting on God. This tells you right here that He's waiting on you. The Father is seeking you to worship Him. And what that means is he's just waiting. He's just waiting for you to say, you know what? It's time. I know he's the one true king. The hour is now. I'm sick of dealing with the pain. I understand that he's just worshiping. He's just ready for me to worship him. The father is seeking you. But are you seeking the father? Are you worshiping the father? You see, once you make up your mind that in the highest of highs and the lowest of lows, and it doesn't matter the situation or, or who was involved, if you can just lift a hand and say, Lord, I love you. Lord, I praise you. You're worthy. I don't know what's going on right now. I, I don't know why I feel this way. But what I do know is you're worthy. If you don't take away the pain, if you don't provide for that need, I know you're worthy. And when you do that, You've all of a sudden opened yourself up 
For the Spirit of the Lord to come in and provide that liberty. For the Spirit of the Lord to come in and meet your every need. There is nothing, there is nothing more powerful in this world than someone who is going to worship the King in all that they do. And worship goes beyond just lifting your hands on a Sunday and being at church. And there, there's a, We could preach 25 messages on that alone. But there's something powerful when you decide to worship. There's something special when you decide to worship, but that can only be done if you decide. And as the music comes, I would like to share with you one quick story. There was once a man passing through an, an animal conservatory, and he, uh, he was passing by the elephants, and he looked at this magnificent and, and ginormous beast. And on its leg was just a rope. There were no cages. There were no chains. It was just a rope on one of its legs. And as he was walking through, he stopped and became curious as to how that giant beast was being held by a rope. And he saw a trainer and he asked the trainer, he said, sir, why is it that that beast at any time could just take a step and break that rope? Why is it that the animal is staying there? Why is it that it's not roaming free and the the trainer looked at the man and said well sir when we're when they're young we put that same exact rope on them and when they're young they aren't able to break free because they haven't built the strength and that rope can contain them so as they grow older and they continue to see that rope they think oh i know i can't break that they say, oh, I, I know that that's the same rope that I've been dealing with for the past few years and that I can't break free. And if you stand with me today, I believe that there's some, some people that have been conditioned, that have been bound when they were younger in their walk with Christ. And that rope that's on their leg now, that's the same rope. And they believe that they can't break free. Because when they were younger, that was what was there. That was what held them. But at the same time, I've come to tell someone today that if you'll just worship that rope that's binding you all of a sudden, all you have to do is let go. You have a hold of it. That chain, all you have to do is release it. It's been broken. You have the power in your worship. But for some reason, you still have a hold. Oh, God. Oh, come to this altar. You don't need to come with that condemnation. You don't need to come with that pain. Just come with the worshiping spirit. Just come worshiping the true king and see what he'll do today. Come now. Your answer's here. Your answer's in this altar. The spirit of the Lord is here where the spirit of the Lord is. There is liberty. Oh, God.